Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football and craft beer fan podcast, the official podcast of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild and a proud member of the Herdat Sports Network. I'm Ben, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Drew. Thanks, Ben. For you new listeners, each episode, uh, Ben and I will sample craft beer and cider, mostly local, some beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight. We encourage you to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or X at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the most up-to-date show information. And please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform, or conveniently stream each episode at wannabewalkons.com and click on the podcast. On this week's episode, Ben and I will profile Palmyra, Nebraska's Glacial Till Winery and Cidery, react to the Michigan game, and raise a glass in honor of next week's opponent, Illinois. I'm Drew. And I'm Ben, and this is Wannabe Walk-Ons. God damn it. Right out of the gate. I Everyone listening, I owe Drew an apology because when I typed out these outlines, boy, did I fuck up. That's okay. Every time you heard us say a name, um, the wrong name was written down. Yep. And so every time there was a little hitch in Drew's. There were, uh, and there were a lot. There were a lot. There were a lot I of should, hitches. I should, though, probably like read through before... Yeah, I stopped sending them to you beforehand because you're like, nah, the cold read is what's best. (laughs) And it's like, well, I mean, sometimes it's what's best. Yeah, it's starting to turn into like an Olympic event for me. Like, (laughs) it is a a struggle, yes. Reading reading either your name or the opposite name. Or the opposite name. Of the other person on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, how are you feeling on this this Sunday that we're recording, the Tuesday Uh, that we premiere? How how are you feeling? I don't know. I don't even know anymore. Yeah, I mean that's fair. That's yeah. fair to feel. I was pretty, um, pretty checked out of the game very early on. Sure. Um, still, you know, sat through the entire thing as one does. Um, I this is this honestly might be like the least excited I've ever been to talk about Nebraska football. Well, we don't have to dwell too long on on that Michigan game when we do get to that. Yeah. Um, because I mean I don't think that there's. Um, a lot of high spots to discuss and I don't think that the low spots are things that are going to go unchecked or or unchanged down the road but it's it was just a very apparent game as to like this is this is the state of the state right now yep and in order to rebuild you got to destroy South Stadium 
I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Start with the South Stadium. If that doesn't work, you know, you got east, north, and west to look at as well. Yeah. So, so many cardinal directions of stadium <laughs> to just to just tear down. But did you watch volleyball after the game? Did I, you check that out? I did watch the volleyball game. Yeah. You know, that one was, was one where um I was getting a little antsy in that in that first set. Mm-hmm. And Indiana took the first set from Nebraska and you're yeah. thinking, Oh man, is this gonna be a, a, a rough day for Nebraska athletics? And then Turns out John Cook knows how to use a challenge. I think he's nine and one yeah. on the season with challenges. And the one was a you just had to do it to try and maybe win a set. Right. He knew it was long. But like to go four and oh against uh a bunch of Indiana referees who who need uh LASIK apparently or some <laughs> sort of corrective lens just right. can't get the calls right. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. It was their it was a, a tough road trip for them. Um in the sense that they were playing, you know, two teams in, in Purdue and Indiana back to back and but it was yeah. it was nice. It was a it was a good recovery from. Yeah, what the a squad he's put together for this season. There's a lot of youth on that on that roster, and he's really trusting a lot uh, in those in those young ladies. And man, mm-hmm. are they fun to watch and having a great season so far. And that's okay. that's one thing to definitely continue on, kind of that that full steam ahead. But the other thing that you're really enjoying full steam ahead, and I'm going to give you a platform to talk <gasps> about it. Are we going to talk? Is Bears football? No, oh. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. That playoff. one hurt a little bit. I'm Did not going to lie. That no, one got playoff me. baseball. Yes. Tell us about your Phillies. The Phillies. I watched they, a little bit of the poop game. The Pittsburgh, it was the, 0-0 oh, and yeah. Phillies. It was yeah, the poop those, game. Those come up every once in a while. It's always a fun one. Um, yeah, Phillies locked in the top wild card spot. They start um, the playoffs on Tuesday. So, and they get to host their, they get to host their first round. Um, I think it's going to be against the Marlins. As okay. of right now. So there's a lot of games going on today. It's the final final day of the regular season for baseball. All the teams are locked in as who as far as who they'll be, but there might be some shuffling in terms of positioning. So. Now, I, I want to ask you, We I texted you a little bit about this this week, but I saw the video going around of the father in the stands whose son was pitching in his first MLB game. Yeah. And that was, that was a real beautiful moment. Like, I don't enjoy the sport of baseball watching it. But I do love the romantic moments about baseball. Like Moneyball is the best version of baseball where it's like just the romantic moments of baseball. Yes. And I just thought that was really special to get to see. And, and just for for an entire inning, that dad was just a wreck. He was, yeah, he was he was weeping through the whole thing. It was beautiful. It was um, so, so great. His kid, Orion Kirkering is a pitcher. He's a, he's just a relief pitcher, like a setup, he's a setup type guy who has a wicked slider. Like he has an incredible slider. It is unheard of in, in. Um, today's game as far as what he's able to do. And he, I think he's like 21 years old. Like he's really young and he's only played six months uh, in the Phillies Ever. farm system. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, every, He just started, he just decided to pick up a baseball, you know, earlier this year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he just flew through their minors and, and has made it. And he, and he has a good chance of pitching in the playoffs this year already, which is great. And so, um, but yeah, like you said, like that romantic side of baseball is, um, is definitely part of the appeal. Uh, and if you can enjoy the sport on top of that, you know, it's all the better for I, you. I do think play playoff baseball. And again, my issue with baseball um, is both stems in, in, in my childhood and having to go to too many baseball games that I just wasn't a fan of. Um, but then also the other side of that is there's just so much baseball to be played. And I'm not as invested as you are to where like knowing that every game matters, obviously. But it's the mm-hmm. same thing to me with the NBA where it's like, it gets better the closer you get to the end of the season. And then once playoffs hit, like, and everything is on the line for every every little thing that happens and home field advantage and lineups and pitching rotations and stuff like that, like, you get to see the condensed version of that, which yeah. you're watching for the entire season. 
but like it just gets condensed and it amplified. Yeah. And that's when I enjoy it. That's fair. I can I can understand that. It is definitely a game of like you have to love the minutia and and be willing to yeah, pay attention for a long fucking time. Yeah. Um, 162 games is a lot. That's a lot of. I like my seasons 12, 12 to 16 games Dude, long. I hope you like them at 12 because that's where we are. <laughs> We're gonna. Uh, I'm, I think. I think there's a shot at 13 this year. There is a shot at 13, and this the next four games on the schedule are gonna um, have a lot to say about that. I yeah, and I think you know not to spoil too much. I think that this might be the first time we see a three game win streak in a long time. Wow. Oh, okay. Forward. So yeah. you know, I think there's there's some positives on the horizon. Um, I think to uh, this last week was like drinking mouthwash, but the taste is, is getting out of our mouth. You know what I mean? Like we had, we had to clear some plaque and we saw it, we found it. I felt like it was more like a root canal, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like if we're going to go in that, that direction with our analogy. Should I, should I use my real analogy for the episode and what we're drinking and and on that? Yeah. So today, (laughs) today we are, we are in, in grapefruit world. All right. We're starting off with a grapefruit cider. Uh, from Glacial Till, and this was brewed in association with the Lincoln Arts Festival, so I found it to be a nice fitting kind of uh, joining of, of Lincoln and Nebraska and ciders and stuff like that. It's fall. It's like our first episode where it's fully fall. Yeah. Uh, but yesterday felt like passing a grapefruit through whichever <laughs> orifice you so choose. Um, it was just one of those hard truths that we had to take down, and, and yep. so I thought grapefruit is going to be the theme for what we drink this episode. Um I won't spoil what we're going to drink for our sportsman sip, but that's also a grapefruit tinged uh, libation. So we'll, we'll we'll go into that. But first, I want to talk a little bit about Glacial Till and their ciders and what we're drinking, and uh, we'll go from there. Awesome. All right. So Mike Merman, the owner of Glacial Till Vineyard and Winery, had always had an interest in what? What are you laughing about already? <laughs> no, I was. I'm, I don't want to make fun of anybody's name, but Mer- it makes me. It reminds me of Zoolander. Merman, oh, you know, <laughs> Merman. I was like, did I, Sorry. did I no, 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 something no. up already? I was like, oh my god, did I say Drew, the owner? <laughs> Am I putting the wrong names in? All right, so Mike, Mike Merman. My apologies, Mike. Sorry. The owner of Glacial Till Vineyard and Winery had always had an interest in winemaking and had been making small batches of wine in his basement for the last thirty years. In two thousand three, with an interest to improve the quality of wine he could make, Mike turned to growing his own fruit. In subsequent years, Mike's belief in quality grapes, coupled with his skills in winemaking, had resulted in several silver, gold, and best-of-show amateur winemaking awards. The evolution of the vineyard and the winery has been a direct reflection of the hard work of Mike's three sons, John, Tim, and Craig. Uh, They've put in over the years prepping the soil, planting, pruning, uh, mowing, caring for the vines, and helping with the winemaking process. What started as a hobby quickly turned into a passion when a record harvest in 2006 produced more wine than one family could drink. With a surplus of wine, Mike decided to share his love for crafting quality wines with others. In 2007, he constructed a building for Glacial Till Vineyard and Winery Operations. In 2008, GTV became a bonded winery, and in the summer of 2009, they opened to the public. So in the spring of 2003, Glacial Till planted their first vines on their property, which was located southeast of Lincoln, Nebraska, in Odo County, near the township of Palmyra. The vines took root in their terroir, known as Glacial Till, and have been growing strong ever since. Glacial Till is a fertile rocky soil that was deposited thousands of years ago when the glaciers that covered North America receded. Terroir not only describes the soil, it's also reflected in the orientation of the land, microclimate, viticulture practices, and winemaking process. So there's a little bit of where they got their name from, the kind of terroir they have in Palmyra. I just love saying terroir. terroir yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's spelled like terrier. So it's like, what kind of fucking dogs do they have? But no, it is the ground. 
Um, so obviously the vineyard and winery takes its name from the soil. Additionally, their terroir can further be defined as north sloping hillside, providing a cooling effect on the grapes during the hot, dry summer and both water and cold air draining into creeks and ponds located nearby at lower elevations. So all of those factors add up to the terroir of Glacial Till uh, Vineyard and Winery, as well as their mission, which is crafting unique and quality wines from the ground up. Now, we're not drinking wine, obviously. We're drinking cider. Um, and so I wanted to go into Mike's own words where he talked about transitioning from the vineyard to the cidery. So in 2014, their area had a severe frost and freeze, uh, causing them to lose pretty much all of their grape production. In Nebraska, by law, wines have to be uh, have to use at least 75% Nebraska-based products, so gaining access to grapes grown in-state for wine production was next to impossible. This is Mike. Uh, my youngest son, Craig, came up with the idea of producing a hard apple cider using pressed apple juice. After some thought and knowing that hard ciders were the fastest-growing liquor segment at the time, they started producing their own hard cider using pressed apple juice from Kimmel Orchard and Vineyard in Nebraska City, which is also where James Arthur Vineyard's I was going to process their apples. Hard cider is just apple wine that's carbonated, so we believed it would be a good fit for us and our business. We produced our first batch, and the distributor that sampled it said he would immediately buy all that they had. Wow. Really a good sign, yeah. right? Um, that's all they had right then and there, and he told them that they would consider making more if he was interested. So they were, obviously, and Glacial Till's hard ciders proved very successful, with Merman recognized as Nebraska's and possibly the Midwest region's most prominent hard cider producer. Merman said that when comparing the production and sales between his wine and cider segments, the cider business was actually outpacing the wine. In addition, Glacial Till's hard cider won the Grand National Championship at the U.S. Open, which was the youngest cidery ever to accomplish that honor. Wow. Merman's knowledge and winemaking history were credited with helping him win the prestigious award. So, like, we've got a we've got a powerhouse cider yeah, no right kidding. in our in our backyard. Uh, have you ever been out to any of their tasting rooms or anything like that? I have not. Uh, I'm a big fan of Ashland, uh, Nebraska. They're downtown. We do a lot of business with a customer out of Ashland, uh, and so I get to go out there on some some business runs every once in a while. They've got my favorite store, I think, in the state, which is Postscript. It is a calligraphy and they've got really good paper and they've got great pens and you can go test everything and they also have a coffee shop and they have a kids book corner where it's like a curated books it's not just like all the new whatever that scholastic has for sale like the owner of the shop she'll actually go out to these conferences and she'll meet with authors and she'll find these really cool books that have great messages and stuff like that that's awesome so yeah. postscripts a very cool store in ashland right across the street which the beauty of small town nebraska directly next to a Napa Auto Parts is a Glacial <laughs> Till tasting room that is also an art gallery. So you get this really great eclectic blend of the new, the old, and then you go and you can have your your cider, your wine, you can look at art. You can just have a really nice time. And every time I've like walked around Ashland, it's always been like 72 degrees and perfect. And they have little stoops and stuff that my kids like to jump off of and stuff. So it's like a really fun thing for the entire family. Yeah. Dad gets to look at books and drink and the kids get to jump off shit. (laughs) So it's like a win-win for everyone. But uh, I'm a big fan of Glacial Till um, and all that they do. They've got some pretty crazy flavors, but they also do some really nice dry ciders that do tip the scales a little bit more into wine. Today we're drinking one that that is an experience, I would say, to say the least. And I'm challenging you on this one. I'm challenging your palate. Yes. With what you typically like. Yeah. And this is their grapefruit cider. So take a sip and and share with me your thoughts on this one. Okay. So you've been talking a long time. First of all, (laughs) (laughs) um, 
Glacial Teal is is my wife's go-to for ciders. She loves them. Um, I've always just avoided ciders. You know, obviously that is um, changing. And so this is my first time, though, ever drinking a Glacial Teal. Um, my initial reaction to it was it was it was difficult because of the grapefruit. It has such a bitter, biting quality to it that, um, like physically, like I my my jaw locks up. Um, and this is why I tend to and have tended to avoid these styles of drinks. Um, I got used to it, right? Um, and that's not a that's not a knock on the drink itself. That's just how I, that's a knock on my dumb body. <laughs> doesn't know does not hand how to handle these things. But this um, has definitely smoothed out and has become. I mean, like the grapefruit, the grapefruit flavor is really prominent in this, um, and it is really good. It is actually really well balanced between that like that tart, dry, snappy apple quality with, um, with the bitterness of the grapefruit. Like it all does come together really nicely. It just took my body a minute to get used to it. (laughs) If that makes sense. Am I allowed to talk again? Yeah. If you want, if you have another like fucking five minutes of words. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Leave me alone. I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) No, (laughs) I don't want to be here. (laughs) Um, that's a Tim Robinson reference. I love Tim Robinson. Oh, the greatest. Um, I agree with you. I mean, I think this is a really, really, I wouldn't call this a balanced cider. And I think that's okay. You know what I mean? Like a lot of drinks we talk about having a great balance. This one to me more has an evolution to it. The sour really does hit you up front. The sour of the grapefruit. I think the carbonation and the sweetness in this is really nice um, because you need a fair amount of sweetness in order to counteract that sour, but you don't want too much to where it feels like you're just drinking, you know, simple syrup or a sugar water. But what I really like is that there, there feels to be the bitterness of the grapefruit right at the end too. So you're getting that full experience of the fruit. It's not just let's take the pleasant side of this fruit and then ignore everything else. Like this feels like a full expression of the juice they're using. Yeah. So I really appreciate that. Um, I could drink these until, uh, um, the sun goes down. This is this until is, Nebraska finally scores against Michigan. They did. They did. You know what they did? Yeah. So shove that a four quarter your, drink. There you go. Yeah. I would drink these through all four quarters. Yeah. I don't need to wait. This is this is very nice. I we are very angry at each other right now. And I, <laughs> <laughs> it's because I deked you on talking about it, baseball and you're yeah. No, I think it, you're as bitter as a grapefruit. <laughs> it's what so what Nebraska football is doing to people right now. It's creating divisiveness. Yeah. So there you go. That but, is, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was just saying this is, like I said, it took me a second to warm up to, but this is actually a very pleasant experience. You and know, the next time that my wife brings home glacial tilt, she might find that a couple have gone missing. Yeah, it reminds yeah. me of you. You know, at first it, it feels, <laughs> you know, it takes me a little Touché. bit. But <laughs> Touche. No, that's not true. Uh, Awkward silence on air. And before <laughs> we move on, we want to take a quick moment to talk about our very special show partner, the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. Longtime listener to the show, No Wannabe Walk-Ons, is the official podcast of the NCBG. The Guild is a professional organization that protects the craft brewing industry in Nebraska. The Guild's main focus is to encourage folks of a legal drinking age to drink Nebraska beer and cider through promotion, education, and events. If you're a fan of craft beer and cider like we are, you can learn more about the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild and find information on awesome beer beer-centric events by visiting the Guild's website at nebraska.beer. So I took the time to add cider into the outline, <laughs> but not well. enough to get our names right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sorry. 
say step by step. Yeah. Yeah. Some more inside baseball for everyone. <laughs> I change these outlines weekly, but not good enough. So Nebraska, Michigan, Nebraska falls to Michigan and falls and falls 45 to seven. Yep. Quite, quite the score. More points than Michigan scored all season. Mm-hmm. Not uh, more than I predicted. No. Okay. What was your prediction? 45 to 10. Okay. So you almost called it. I almost did. You so, almost did. There was Albano. an opportunity for it to be right on. How, would you have felt better coming into this conversation if you're like, I got it right, baby? Yeah. Cause I already feel good about that being that close. Yeah. Um, in the sense that I would, I would rather have a Nebraska win. That needs to be clear. But if they're going to lose, at least I'm at least losing the way that makes me feel good about my ability to see the future. Well, there you go. Yeah, I like to be right. Would, um, would you have Would you have done anything at like Let's say you did predict it. Would mm-hmm. you have slightly felt in control? Like, would you have predicted a, a different outcome for the next game? Being like, I have a power. I, I, I did feel a certain level of responsibility with my Illinois prediction. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, holy shit, like, this actually might mean something. Yeah. So, um, I did, I, to be fair, I thought it, I thought the game would go differently. I thought we would get to that 45 to 10 in a way that would, that made Nebraska look a little more competitive early. Or early. Early, 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 okay. like in the first quarter, early, sure. like. Like a seven to seven type yeah, like first a, quarter, like and a then Rutgers start. Yes, like exactly. I thought it was going to be like Rutgers. Yeah, um, and then and I thought Michigan would just pull away late. They did end up just. I mean, they ended up like just grinding on Nebraska, but it just happened to be the entire fucking game. Yeah. So, well, what are your thoughts? I mean, where do you where do you want to start? Kind of breaking this thing down. I mean, it, where, where where do you feel like? You want to go first. Um, I mean, we always start with Nebraska's offense so we can go there. You know, it's funny. There. You know what? it's funny. Every week I always say, where do you want to start? And you always say, well, we always start with the offense. <laughs> and it's like, I wonder why. Because <laughs> it's always the first thing on my list. Um, yeah, Nebraska offense versus Michigan defense. Michigan's defense lived up to the billing. Um, you know, they they wanted to stop Nebraska's run game. That's where they always begin. They stop, stop the run game, force the other team to pass. Um exactly what they did they built their run wall um and that wall happened to include guys you know getting their hands up on passes too um and tipping a lot of uh i was gonna say harbaugh's passes but it's not harburg's passes yeah harbaugh Um, harbaugh wishes he probably wanted to be out there harbaugh harbaugh would have you know what i bet he would have suited up for nebraska if given the opportunity 100 percent, any chance yeah 100 percent. he would have came out there but not actually suit he just would have worn a nebraska helmet nothing else like just khakis and do you think that he has like a pair of red khakis on standby though just in case maybe i know he's got blue he's got blue and he's got khaki khaki yeah um he's probably got he's probably got some red ones i'm sure he's got a closet full yeah just a rainbow of khaki you i bet if you found a family picture of him on christmas he's probably got a green sweater and red <laughs> like, khakis. A, like a half and half like a red and a green leg yeah yeah um anyway yeah the michigan michigan's defense did exactly what i expected them to do um they held us to pretty much their season season average we had 18 runs for 23 yards uh prior to the fourth quarter um which is what they had allowed and and uh gosh i don't know Harburg, 56% completion. He had the most passing yards against them out of any team. So, um, you know, they they forced him to throw the ball, and I thought he did an okay job at least of, you know, distributing it and, and gaining some yards. Um, it just all amounted to nothing. Uh, 
Nebraska, God, dude, I'm this sorry. is painful. It's okay. Nebraska, they had opportunities. Um, you know, they had a couple drives down into the their red zone. They failed to convert. Their fucking red zone offense was a goddamn nightmare. Um, two false starts, a fumble that we were lucky to recover. Um, you know, they missed a field goal on the one drive. They didn't convert on fourth and one. Like, you know, we talked about that, about Nebraska, like, having trouble getting to the red zone, but when they did, they were good at converting. Yeah. Like they were like 90%. And then this game, they're 0 for 2. And not just 0 for 2, but like shot themselves in the foot. Like, right. it wasn't, I mean, it was Michigan being good, but it was mostly like just Nebraska, like not executing. Yeah. You know, and I think those are, those are the fair points of criticism, right? Like there's, there's a lot to be said about this is a Nebraska team in its first year under a new head coach where there's, there's been a lot of injury. If you really kind of look at what Nebraska's kind of, uh, been up against as far as defensive injury, offensive guys uh, having their injuries, you know, being down our our two starting running backs, having been down our, our QB1 that started the season, regardless of where you sit on the quarterback controversy, that, that does disrupt a team. And then you look at the defensive side of the ball when you've got a guy like Cam Lenhart who is is shining early and then he gets injured. Then you got Luke Reimer who um, has what sounds like a more severe injury than I think was originally thought and wasn't doing well pregame. Uh, and then you have a guy like Singleton go out too, second play of the game you're like man this is this is starting to be one of those things where okay now we're having to deal with what everyone else is dealing with when we had been relatively healthy well no not anymore so you've got all of that and you're going up against the number two team in the country who played like the number one team in the country under a coach who has been developing his system at Michigan And, and people are like this is where Nebraska should be in two or three years well this isn't Harbaugh's third year you know what oh, I mean no. like Harbaugh's been building this team now for seven seasons yeah and, and it, like and it shows I distinctly remember a few years in people were like he needs to go right like Michigan I think Michigan and even outside of Michigan like everybody was like this might not work right and and he he stayed his course and, and I still think that this is the blueprint that you follow I still think that looking at this game you go okay Michigan is the team that we can build because their recruiting wasn't great early on the recruiting has since improved, but they were able to develop the guys they brought in to show these four and five stars, hey, we can turn you into something even more. And then you see their defense perform in this way against Nebraska, who was hanging their hat on a, a power run game and trying to be the bullies on the field and offense. And it just was ineffective Yeah. Um, to a defense that just was able to impose their will for all four quarters, really, until there was a singular breakdown. Yeah. And it's... um. This was a game that they talked about as like the measuring stick and, and you know, knowing it was going to be tough and like how far away. And I think we all knew how far away we were. Um, this made it very evident. And I, I, th- I, I want to push back on the on the measuring stick. I don't think this was a measuring stick game. I think this was more and, and this is going to be semantics, but it was more of a barometer, right? Like to see. <laughs> <laughs> OK, let's hear this out here. No, tell no, no, no. Me, tell OK, me why. I'm going to talk for another five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Start by defining what you mean by barometer. No, a barometer. No, we're we're. I'm not going to define a barometer. Game. Come on. No. So to me, it was it was less about like trying to measure ourselves up against Michigan, but mm-hmm. a chance for Matt Rule to see Michigan up close to see where his team is. I guess fuck it. It's a measuring <laughs> stick. But 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 not not in the sense of like oh, do we measure up to Michigan? Right. Right. And that's that to me is is the narrative that I want to push back against. And I'm not saying that's what you were going at, but I hear just a lot of people saying this was a measuring stick. And it's like, no, it wasn't like this isn't us trying to see 
how do we compare to Michigan? We don't compare to Michigan yet. Well, I think, that, yeah, but me- measuring into the sense of like, wh- like how far away are we? Okay. From being, and, and especially if you're going to, if, if there's going to be so much chatter about like, even from rule, like Michigan is who we want to become, then you, you do need to measure yourself like specifically against them to say like, how, like how far off are we? And it's clear that, like, I mean, we're not even fucking close, but we knew that. Um, so, so and but I, if we knew that, but if we knew that, <laughs> we still have to play the game. We still have to play. No, I know, you know. I know we still have to play the game. That, I mean, what I'm saying is if we knew that, then to me, it's not really a measuring stick game. You know what I mean? If you're far off and you know that, yeah, then you're not measuring against anything. You're just, you're going into it and you're, you're trying. I think it's more of a try and retain your identity game, mm. which look at how the only points for Nebraska came was by maintaining their identity and trying to be what they wanted to be. Or by waiting until the fourth quarter when Michigan puts in their fourth-string JV well, defense. We put in our third-string running back. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we didn't, it, have, we didn't have a choice. And and I don't think that that excuse should fly at Nebraska when Nebraska's playing second, third, fourth-string defensive players all throughout the game to keep guys going. Like, that's, that's football. You play with the guys you have, and on a travel roster with Michigan, you know, they don't come just because they're schlubs. Like these are guys who can play because they might have to. Yeah. So I, I, I push back a little bit on that narrative because I think Michigan does a similar thing with Nebraska as far as rotating guys through that. It's more about gaining experience because Harbaugh knows these guys are going to come in later in the season when we are injury prone and they're going to have to perform like this defense is performing right out of the gate. Yeah. So I, I think the expectation is just as high. Right, it's not about like let's just get reps for these dudes. No, I know they wanted the shutout. I'm not saying they weren't trying. Okay, yeah, I don't know. I'm we. Bottom line is like we're very far away from where we need to be. Yeah, and and if Michigan is the standard, we now know exactly how far away we are. And I think it starts with, and I mean it starts and ends with for me in the trenches, like both both hundred percent both lines. Yeah. Um. You just, I mean, you just saw like like. JJ McCarthy even said after the game like it, that it felt effortless, which well, sense. it looked effortless. Like they were just, I mean, they were just pushing guys around. Like they were just moving. I would rather I would rather a team light fire to our logo in the center of our field <laughs> than see another quarterback kiss his girlfriend mid game. That was yeah. That was if it wasn't against us, like that was stunning. That was amazing. And also just fucking hurt. Like it was like the dude is making out with his girlfriend on no, the sideline. He, he, yeah. It was a kiss. <laughs> but I would. I mean, Jesus. Like how fucking. Like how much do you have to not give a shit at that point? As as a fucking as like a quarterback of Michigan to be on the sideline kissing your girlfriend while yeah. your team's still playing. Like oh, that one. If that doesn't like sum up how this game went perfectly i don't know what else would so okay so let's let's get off of the the anger train and the frustration train and let's talk about some highlights from nebraska i would gladly jump from the train (laughs) you would jump in front of it right now (laughs) as supposed to jump off of it um i wanted to to name a few things that i really liked um i thought that uh, satterfield did a good job of scheming uh billy kemp open yeah uh quite a bit and that was something that they've been working towards this season is to try and get him more touches i thought there were about four or five plays that were called where you knew the ball was going to kemp he found his way open tried to make a couple of guys miss got downfield quick likewise marcus washington had a nice big play that was a very um aggressive and powerful and physical run to yeah. finish that out and you like to see that effort that's going on late in games when the game is basically tied up with a bow you see these guys still fighting for yards and fighting to to keep their team in it, and they're they're fighting and playing with pride. 
um, which is which to me is like if there's not if you're not fighting for a win by the end of the game, you got to fight for your pride. And they did. So yeah. I really appreciate that. Um, I thought Harburg's passing, um, you know, they asked a lot of him in this game and they thought, hey, I don't know that we're going to be able to run against Michigan the way we want to. So we're going to have to do some stuff with your arm. Um, aside from, you know, the the early interception, I thought that he was good with his decision making. Uh, and then Fedoni, I thought, had a really nice game, too. Um, you can tell how physical he is, how great of a receiver he is on top of his his physicality on the line. Mm-hmm. And I think he just really enjoys being the go to guy and he's continuing to evolve into that spot. So I thought there was some some bright notes. And then obviously you have the Josh Fleeks touchdown where you think, all right, this is a guy we could probably utilize uh, further on in the season to be an X factor when we when we need it the most. Yeah. Um, so I thought there were some things that that went on during the game where you're like, OK, they talked about wanting to get Fleeks the ball more or excuse me, Kemp the ball more and they got Kemp the ball more. Uh, Fedoni's got to be a bigger part of this offense. He's turning into a bigger part of this offense. Um, Harburg's got to be able to not just run the ball, but be able to be a, a threat in the pocket. Well, he's evolving into that. So there's there's evolution that I'm seeing on this offense. Um, and to their credit, they didn't shy away from their identity. They tried to fight the way that they wanted to fight and they got knocked out. Yeah. But they still stuck with that. So I give a lot of credit on that front when I think there's going to be a long conversation all week about how, oh my gosh, the sky's falling. It's like, well, again, you want to be this other team, but you're not there yet. But you have to get there by being an identity, being who you want to be and, and fighting in that direction. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, yeah, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of things said about like whether or not they fought or tried or which I don't, I don't believe is true. Like I, like I don't ever, I didn't feel like they were just like, they didn't even fucking try. You know what I mean? Like they got, no. they just got beat handily. Like yes. that's all it was. It's a very, very, very good football team. They went up against. Yeah. And so like, so that's like, it sucks. Like it sucks that they lost and that they lost like that. And it sucks that they're just that much worse um, than anybody. Um, but yeah, but like you said, there, there were some, there, you still have to, you still really do have to try to, like rule said, learn, learn from it and, and move forward and, and take what you can from it. And then as a fan, you know, yeah, try to find the fucking bright spots. Can I, um, can I throw one more bright spot out that, if you have another one, I yeah, do. please. I do. Okay. And and don't look at this at the specific. Look at what this means like from a from a holistic point of view. Okay. So Rule gave some feedback when the snap was fumbled a few times a couple games ago. Do you remember what that feedback was? Don't snap. Don't fumble the snap. Okay. Well, what else? I don't know. <laughs> fast, this is going to turn into no fast forward. No, no, go back. Go back to it. No, he said we tried to do too much when the ball was fumbled. It should have just dove on it. Right. Okay. When the when the snaps were fumbled against Michigan and again I don't want I'm not talking about like hey we still fumbled him but we kept the ball (laughs) or when the pitch happened and there was a fumble there guys just dove on the ball so it's clear that there is things that need to be fixed there's coaches saying here's what we need to fix and then those fixes are going into the game and we're seeing them happen now in the game now obviously we want to get to the point to where we're just not fumbling snaps or we're able to successfully pitch on an option or the ball's not getting punched out from behind but Nebraska is diving on the ball instead of trying to like they're, they're actively being coached mm-hmm. and the message is consistent from top down. So when it's said in a presser that this needs to be fixed, we're then seeing the result of that a few games later where those exact fixes that were being said are being implemented. Yeah. And to me, that is promising where we have that accountability that we've been asking for for so long. We've seen the identity that we want to be and we're not shying away from it even when shit gets hard. So like to me, there's some positives where it's 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 like finding gold in the mud 
right? Like you got to douse a lot of water on it for it to shine. We're still reaching into the mud right now. And eventually stuff's going to get cleaned up to where it looks like gold, but it's not there yet. Yeah. Like our hands are in the mud. We're searching. We're going to find it. We're going to pull it out and it's going to look a lot prettier, but like we got to get dirty and it's got to look like shit at first. So I, I know that this isn't a game where a lot of people are going to walk away here. We think I'm an idiot for like walking away, like encouraged, <laughs> but I'm seeing things that we need fixed being actively spoken about and are being fixed. And that to me is promising when we haven't seen that for a while. Okay. That makes me feel a little better. Good. That's a good way to look at it. I honest, I didn't, I walked away from this game so like fucking indifferent, like, cause it was, it was like, I look going into it was, yeah, we're going to get beat. Well, I hung out with out you. Of it, we're going to get beat. I hung out with you yesterday golfing and you seem a lot different than, Never mind. That was a bad joke. It was a boo. If I had a boo button, I'd hit the boo <laughs> button. Because you said I came way indifferent and I feel like you're real different. Never mind. Anyways. <laughs> oh, man. I, I literally, I cut you off while you were talking because I thought that this is going to be so funny. <laughs> it's okay. It's worth it. Um. Anyway, I get uh, positives to, I guess, just to piggyback on you. Yes, I think Harburg Harburg is a backup quarterback going into the season and is a guy that doesn't have a lot of experience, um, has been playing really well. I think, like, especially if you look back at um, recent seasons where we have had to dive into our, our backup quarterbacks, um, and it has not gone well. And it was like, fucking, like, I can't wait till so-and-so gets healthy again to get them back on the field so we actually have a chance. Um, so I think that's a good thing. Seeing him develop relationships so quickly um, with guys like Kemp and with with uh, even Marcus Washington, like finding him a couple times a game, usually for a pretty good good chunk play too. Um, trying to find that that not deep threat but deeper threat um, with him, and then is and then obviously Fedoni, he, he uh, I think has always been comfortable with, but continuing to lean on Fedoni, and so at least like developing multiple receivers, um, you know, as as teams continue to try to to stop the run game and forcing him to throw is is it's good to see and and that'll serve us well um on that three game win streak that you're predicting we're about to embark upon yeah i think it's possible so um the last thing i will talk about about this offense which is more of like a team as as an overall is there's there's just no conceding you know nebraska had how many seconds left on the clock at the end of the game and Matt Rule made his starters go out there and try and score one more touchdown on a Hail Mary. Like, there was no giving. There's no quit, right? Like, we're not just going to lose a game. Yeah. We're, we're going to, like, this game is 0-0 every time you step out on the field. The goal is to go score a touchdown. So go try and score and do everything we can. And um, I really just appreciated taking that time out, right, and, and stopping the clock so that you could set up a play to try and score more points, yeah. even though those points wouldn't matter. It's like, whose line is it anyway, right? <laughs> The points don't matter, but the reps matter. Like the, the, re- play, exactly. the play matters and the mentality come. matters. Yes, there might come a game where that shit matters. Yeah. Um did you did you have any thoughts at all about Harburg playing the entire game? I mean, you're the quarterback. Okay. I just didn't know if you thought like I don't he didn't do anything like to you know, to warrant being pulled, but like Purdy's Purdy is capable and like and when you talk about like getting guys reps in a blowout like that's what you do right like you rotate in eventually you rotate in your other guys but like Purdy never got rotated in and I was just I was I was surprised by that um that that tells me a couple things it tells me either either Jeff Sims might return to being our our quarterback one so keep Harburg in for reps 
or that might tell me that they're confident in Jeff if Harburg were to go down at, at him coming in, um, or that could tell me um, that Harburg just refuses to come. I mean, is, is that hard-nosed kid? And they stopped really running Harburg. Early on, they saw that that wasn't working and that they were going to have to beat Michigan a little more through the air and a little bit more clever with their run game. And I think that they were like, we're not going to put our quarterback in a situation where he's going to go up against this defense and just get murdered for no cause. Um, I think that they started calling away from that. And so I think he was at less risk than he normally is. Yeah. So I didn't have an issue with it. I was actually like, yeah, I mean. Yeah. Well, I wasn't worried about like risk of like injury or anything like that. I was just more like. More getting reps. Give, give Purdy a chance to. I mean. It, a drive at, at the at end. Most, you it, know? it tells me he's he's who they're going to ride with until yeah. something egregious happens. Um, and, and so why not? If this is the hardest thing he's going to see all season, why not give him as many looks as possible? Yeah, I get. Yeah. Like, and yeah, I think that's probably my takeaway, too, is like they're like. I, I think it means that he's their guy Which, and that they, and that, and that they have an idea that even, yeah, even if Jeff Sims comes back healthy, like let's say this week, there's always risk of re-injury or whatever. And so, um, you, yeah, I think that they, I think that they might be looking at Harburg as like the guy to develop, Yeah, you know, moving, moving forward. So, so Nebraska's yeah. defense, is yeah, there anything you want to, we haven't even gotten to that side of the ball. Right. Is there anything you want to highlight on Nebraska's defense? Um, I thought they did. I thought they did a pretty good job of, um, containing Blake Corum, um, yeah. which was, which was good to see. I know, uh, you know, Michigan still put up almost 250 yards on the ground. Um, but there was never, I don't know, it just felt so, it just felt like very methodical. Yeah. It was, it wasn't, um, this like great it they weren't they didn't look as bad as they did against northern illinois they were just up against such a so so much better of an opponent that it, it wasn't a great defensive performance right if that makes sense so like there was still like some tackling issues but it was mostly just like they were just getting beat by a, a stronger opponent yeah i mean it, they they were tackling better they were just being pushed back as they were tackling as opposed to being able to stand guys up or knock them back yeah. and, and I think that's again that's development on the offensive side of the ball to be as physical as Michigan wants to be it's difficult to to go the other direction yeah when they're meeting they were meeting Michigan's offensive line at a time where that line was really starting to click oh yeah um you know earlier and I'm not saying like we would have been that much more competitive and if we'd you know faced them in the first couple of games but um but their offense in the first couple of games that they played and our defense in the first couple of games that we played, like that would have been a, probably a way more interesting matchup sure. to see. Whereas um, this lined up with like, no, their offense was, was really starting to gel. Um, they have Harbaugh, you know, back on the sideline and our defense was showing some little, you know, cracks in the foundation here and there um, starting last week. And so uh, it just lined up to be, uh, a lot more lopsided, I think, than well, what most people expected, but also more lopsided than I think it actually is yeah. on a, on a regular. Like if you played this game a hundred times, I don't think that the defense gets um, pushed around that much every game. Sure, most of them, yeah, but not all of them. So, um, yeah. I, otherwise, I don't know. Michigan just they executed their game. They, um, like I said, they ran the ball a lot. They ran it fifty times. Um, Nebraska was up against well, like almost 75 plays total. So they, you know, they were getting pounded on. Um, and our offense was only on the field for what, 45 plays or something like that. Yeah. So the defense was out there 
a which, lot. Which almost goes against what Michigan wants to do, right? Like they they don't they almost were more efficient, I think, than they probably anticipated being because this is a Michigan team that likes to run around sixty plays. Um, but they goodness is that an efficient offense where they're just moving the ball downfield on you? They don't have to punt a whole lot. No, uh, it's their second game in a row now where they had one punt. Yeah, so I mean, it's one of those things where you're just. You're, you're kind of impressed on how they do it and they're doing it old school, but man, do they just impose that? They're happy to take their five, six, seven yards a carry yeah, uh, and, and just make their day with that. And then when JJ McCarthy has to do something with his arms or his legs, he's just so fresh because he's not having to put himself in harm's way. Yeah. Yeah. They just, they pick and choose their spots when they throw the ball and they do it in such a great way. And, and it doesn't matter whether it's man coverage or zone, like, you know, the, they were beating our guys in one-on-one, like they were finding matchups where they could get into one-on-one situations to beat us, and then if it was zone, they would just find soft spots. And um, and there wasn't enough pressure generated by our defensive front to you know make JJ uncomfortable, so he was able to wait and and um, you know spot where he needed to go with the ball. And so another hyper efficient day for him. Um, he didn't have to do too much with his legs. Um, he did have that one touchdown run, and I think he had to run early on in the first drive. Um, yeah, but a, a designed run too, where yeah. he got like 15 yards and it looked effortless. Yeah, just, and that's yeah. but yeah, it's just I mean, that's just the way that this offense is designed. Um, and like I said, like they just I mean they just ran it to an absolute T on that day. Um, so uh, it was just a, it was a tall task for Nebraska. I thought they did okay, um, you know, despite the results. It could have I think it could have certainly been it could have been worse, but like Michigan's. Like, like you said, like they're not designed to like just like run up the score, right? Um, they're designed to eat up clock, and we saw a little bit of that too. Like I think they had pretty much all their touchdown drives outside of like the the short field off the interception. Like those were long drives, like well, time she, eat, like they ate up a lot of time. Their opening drive was like seven and a half, eight minutes. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was a lot of time. We remember watching the clock, thinking, "Oh my gosh!" Like I thought they would maybe take five minutes, but no, we're already in nine, eight minutes left in the first quarter, and Michigan's yeah. just now scoring and and. There's there's just no um, there, there's there's no urgency because they know that they're at risk of nothing. Like they're <laughs> yeah. they're just they're able to just push, and I think that they can probably tell from the first snap of the game what kind of game this is going to be. And mm-hmm. and um, it's been like that for them for the first five games of the season, where they just kind of have that kind of push. And um, again, that's that's tough when when um, you know this this was. The kind of challenge that uh, the three three five, I look at that and I go, okay, it really does come down to your personnel being able to stand up to an offensive line like this because ultimately I want to be able to beat an offensive line like this. Um, but you've got to have guys continue to develop and continue to get better. And, and you see the growth that this defensive line has had and you see the growth that guys like Nash and Ty Robinson and Blaze have had and the kind of guys like Cam can be uh, once he's back healthy. And you know that is with continued development, their technique is going to be able to stand up to something like that. But like there is, there's a long way to go, um, and and I think that they gave their best effort. And I like that late in the game, you've got guys like Ty Robinson still fighting to try and get a sack or, or get guys in the backfield. And we got better penetration as the game went on, as that defensive line I think got a little more confident in themselves and was tired of being pushed around. So I did appreciate seeing that that there was a little bit of a better push uh, from our guys to get back there. But yeah, I mean they just. They ran into an offense that, I mean, is so unabashedly themselves and, <laughs> yeah, and, and is, yeah. has the physicality and, and the belief and the development to be that, um, that it was going to be tough sailing, you know, going into this game for sure. Yeah. Special teams. 
Can I tell you my favorite moment of the game with special teams? Okay. It was Brian Buschini laying a hit. <sighs> see, and I... Were you asleep? No. Asleep? No. <laughs> not for that part. I did see that, but he had to do that because he had a, not a good punt. It was a great punt. The guy... He, the kicked, guy, it, he kicked it right to him. He kicked it right to the guy. and the to guy a good m- returner. Yeah, but the guy muffed the punt it bounced straight up and then right back down into his hands there's another one of those maybe i was sleeping there. yeah <laughs> i saw the tackle the tackle was great i mean he wrapped him up and he drove him to the ground yeah so that's the kind of punter i want is a physical tackling punter who no that punt wasn't fair like that was one of those where it's everyone talks about how nebraska just has bad luck as of late yeah and like the guy muffed the punt went straight through his hands hits the ground bounces up he catches it and it's like, how do we... And he takes off for 30 and, yards. And Phelan Sanford was the gunner down there, and, and he like had to dive over the guy because had he hit him, it would have been a targeting call because mm-hmm. of how low the guy was. Yeah. So it's one of those things where it's like it timed out perfectly, and Minnesota in something that could have maybe like swung some momentum at least where maybe you're down 21, but you get a scoop and score, and it's 21-7. That's a different game than, um, what was it, 38-7 to or whatever it happened to be Yeah. when we finally scored. But yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what else? Alvano missed another one. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be, be interesting line. to see. That's yeah, tough conditions though. Like it was super windy. Um, in Nebraska to uh, just to spread the blame, like they lost eleven yards on the two plays leading up to that field goal. So like, yeah, they didn't make it any easier on him. No, and and you you kind of want Nebraska to maybe. I don't know. It, it's it's obviously all we do is armchair quarterbacking, but it's it's one of those things where you wonder like you've got a field goal kicker who has been struggling. You're close. It's fourth and one. Do you just get points on the board? Do you just give your kicker something that's makeable and manageable to help his confidence, or do you try and get the confidence on converting that? Like obviously that's going to be the question of like why did we go for it, or was that the right call on fourth and one? Why did we go into shotgun? All that sort of kind of garbage conversation well yeah as a rule address that the whole the play call on fourth and one and why they went to shotgun and it is he said it's because nobody converts fourth and one against michigan which is true i think they're like one they're one for ten this year on fourth down conversions and that includes stops on like one and two yard so if you know that well why don't you kick the field right yeah well well because if you don't have confidence in your kicker in general but um, but but if you're still riding with tristan right He's giving he him another it. chance. He, yeah. he kind of said verbatim what you said last week. I, I, Rule and I have, um, you know, weekly conversations. And so, I mean, were you, were you he's, sleeping he's, there too? Yeah. Were you asleep <laughs> when you were having I was, those? I was asleep during our Michigan <laughs> prep. That's why the game went that way. No, uh, yeah, I see what you're saying though. Yeah, if, if Alvano is your kid and you, you know, again, giving him reps. But yeah, he said they wanted to try to throw something different at Michigan to see if, you know, if they could find a, a way through that defense on fourth down. And, they didn't do it. They, I mean, they almost had it. Like even Harburg said, like he should, he if he would have done the right thing, um, in that situation and just you know stretch the ball out or fallen forward an extra six inches. Yeah, I th- uh, I think make the right was, move. I think and, he was supposed to follow uh, the running back, and I just think he missed his block because the a gap got swallowed. Yeah, um, on that front, and, and I think the uh, the running back didn't get a block in. I think he just, I mean, he couldn't. That that thing just swallowed up, and and. Yeah, Harburg tried to jump. I mean, he tried, mm-hmm. but he kept the ball tight instead of trying to extend it, which, again, I understand, right? You're focused on ball security. Protecting, yeah. Uh, gosh, there's so much stuff to think about. Like, <laughs> I don't... Uh, All wrapped up into this one play in a 45-7 yeah. to seven game. Yeah. It's fun. Uh, but I think with when it comes to, you know, Tristan kicking those field goals, I'm fine, you know, continuing to ride with him. 
uh, and and build his confidence up if he is the kicker for the long haul. Yeah. Um, but I think we're when we talk about Illinois um, coming up shortly. I mean, this is an Illinois team that likes to kick field goals. So if we get into a, a, a you know a foot showdown, wouldn't that be fun? Friday night foot showdown. Man, we <laughs> we had one of those in Frost first season, so why not have one right? in Rules first season? You know, maybe it'll surprise us. We'll get some snow in October after it's been ninety five degrees. <laughs> you uh, know, flip the script. But yeah, maybe he's a cold ball kicker. Could be. I you mean, know? usually when he's kicking in the state championship in Nebraska as a high schooler, I mean that was that was cold. Yeah, that was a colder night. There you go. So, well, I think I think now's our our time then to just clean our hands, wipe and and wipe them clean of this Michigan game. All that from digging and all that that all that mud, all that mud, and we're, we're sure keep, doesn't smell like mud on my hands. Stop. Yeah, and uh, and I think we'll we'll take a little a little break in our action. We'll grab another drink and we'll uh, we'll raise a glass to Illinois, and then we'll talk a little Illinois football. Cool. Can't wait. All right, so we are back with our second beer, which is a little thing we like to do around here called the Sportsman Sip. Whenever Nebraska plays an away game we like to drink a beer for our second beer that's from that place and and today we are drinking a beer from what i would say is maybe one of the more established chicago uh and illinois breweries it's it's very well known and that is goose island uh we are big fans of the bourbon county yeah line that they do uh they release every black friday uh and and that's always great always something to look forward to um but this time we are drinking their beer called ipa which you know it's good <laughs> when they're just like we're not going to name it anything we're just going to call it the beer style. Yep. So 100%. what do you, what are you thinking on this beer, Drew? This is probably more up your alley, right out of the gate. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, than, yeah, yeah, than, yeah. Than the grapefruit cider was. Yeah, I do, and I like these types of IPAs that are not not the hazies that are like they've got like the dank hops, they've got a pretty good strong like malt backbone to them, um, and so there's there's like a boldness to it. Um, they are. They are pretty bitter, um, but again, they've got like enough malt in there to really balance things out. And um, like, this is the style of IPA that, like, if, if I think of IPA, like, I'd still think of this. Yeah, this style. And so, yeah, very classic. Just you know, I mean, it's Goose Island, like you said, they're prominent. They're you know, they're nationally known uh, brewery, um, and for a reason. Yeah, so, yeah. There's there's a lot of good choices out of Illinois. Uh, I went with this beer specifically because their packaging said grapefruity. Um, so the, this beer itself does have some of those grapefruit. And I think it's more the rind and the bitterness and a little bit of maybe some sourness. Um, but it's not an overtly grapefruit flavor. That's just something that's typical, I think, from an IPA hop is that you're going to get some of those like bitter grapefruit notes. Mm -hmm. But also Goose Island did my favorite thing that any brewery's ever done, which was their field goal competition. <laughs> yeah. After Thanks one of to my bears, your bears, um, <laughs> when I believe was it a rookie kicker or or someone who had just signed a big contract to kick for a missed a, a playoff field goal. Yeah. And so they said, all right, well, if you come to our brewery in the winter and you kick a 40 yard field goal in the snow then we will give you a year's worth of free beer. And boy, did Chicago turn out for that. <laughs> and boy, was it incredible. I encourage anyone, and I think we've talked about it on, on this show before. I'm sure we have. But it is it is the greatest video. Nobody made the kick. And even as someone who likes to kick field goals in their free time, uh, occasionally for a workout, I would not have thought I could make that kick. 
because they they were smart. They did it in the snow and in the sleet. Oh yeah, dude. A, people were fucking bunch of Chicagoans coming it. out, just slipping, falling on their ass. Yeah. So Goose Island always and forever has a special place in my heart, and, and they're one that just keeps coming up. When we went out to Divots and and had uh, beers out there for dinner, they had a Bourbon County Cola on tap. On tap. Ooh, yeah. And the the, the waiter <laughs> said, you guys know that's like 17%. We're like, yeah, we know. That's exactly why we're ordering it, buddy. <laughs> yep. yeah. And then they brought it to us in a massive <laughs> chalice. And then they mischarged us for it. They charged us $5 for this pour that should have cost $300 or something like that. Okay, uh, yeah. Just just wonderful. So Goose Island is a is a great brewery. Uh, Illinois is lucky to have them. They've got, they've got places all over. But the last time I flew through Chicago... They even have a tap room in O'Hare's airport, which, man, I wish. I wish we had something like that in our, like a craft brewery tap room in uh, in Epley. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're ever flying through Chicago, fly through O'Hare and you can stop at their Goose Island tap room in the airport. You don't like to fly, do you? Um, not really. I will if I have to. Yeah. And I have a lot before. But like I'm like the idea of flying overseas terrifies the fuck out of me just because like you're floating in the air for 13 hours just over water. Do you know how planes work? <laughs> There's, it's not floating. I mean, it's like it was well, floating, but with like momentum, like hoping that you don't stop floating. I feel like you don't know how planes work. <laughs> I don't think anybody knows how planes work. <laughs> that's what that's what terrifies me the most. Oh, that's funny. There's so many things that can go wrong. Like. Yeah, like one little like one little nut or one little bolt comes loose, and the whole thing goes down. And then and I, it's, that's not how it works. <laughs> that's how it works in my mind, which is why I don't like to fly. I I spoke to uh so I've I've flown through some some pretty gnarly turbulence before. Yeah. Um and flown through like and around thunderstorms and stuff like that. And I was sitting next to a person, and the flight attendant came up, and that person was like not having a good time. Oh yeah. And the the flight attendant was like, "Oh honey, calm down." these wings could f- could bend up and touch themselves before they'd snap off. And so, like, I'm never afraid. Oh, my God. Why would you say that to somebody? Well, I don't know. Think about, like, think about everything that you've ever imagined. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Going wrong on an airplane. The idea of the wings bending up to, like, high-five each other midair has never crossed my mind, but it will now. Yeah, great. Oh, what a fucked up thing to say. I don't know. That's messy. I I honestly, if if I when I fly, um, I just sleep. That's yeah. my that's my that's my end game. My goal. Like, do you, you sleep the whole way? Do you do you do you take like a, a sleeping pill? Do you take like melatonin? No, or no. You just I just, just I'm sleep. just a naturally good sleeper. So I get on airplanes and I also sleep because I get I am so comfortable in planes. <laughs> oh, I love up. I love flying because oh, I man. get such good sleep. I envy you. I wish I could because yeah, like the whole world. Well, would you just said open you sleep up. too. I do, but it's like, but I have, you know, like it's scary. You put me in the backseat of a car on a road trip <laughs> and I am out. Yeah. Any, any type of like situation where I'm not the driver and there's like movement. Oh man, I will sleep so hard, oh, man. See, in a road trip, I don't like being in the passenger. Like I like to drive, I like to be in control. Yeah. So maybe that's where, maybe that's where you it should get your from. pilot's license. This, that, that's, that's the key is I just need to start flying these fucking things. Yeah. Then you understand how they work. Get it, and yeah. then you'll be like, oh, that nut. Doesn't do anything. Yeah. Watch this button. If I push this, the wings will like start bending. (laughs) Check this out. So, anyways, if you're going to the Illinois game, find Goose Island beer and uh, and drink some of it because it's delicious. There's also some awesome other craft breweries that are located around Champaign Urbana. 
uh, check those out as well. There's been some folks that have been real kind to us as far as just, you know, giving us uh, some positive messages and things like that after we've talked about them. So there's plenty to drink, plenty to find. Uh, I know Riggs Brewing Company is another one that's out in uh, Champaign-Urbana. They've got a, uh, a big tailgate they do. They've got a big patio. So that's a cool place that Husker fans could take over and, and show some love to some local beer out there too. So if you are traveling to the game, make sure you're checking out some craft breweries that are around the area because there's some good stuff. And also that yeah. would mean you probably traveled on a Thursday. So you got two days off of work plus a two-day weekend to recover. So oh, like, yeah. have fun, call an Uber, have a good time. Definitely. Yeah. Celebrate a celebrate a win, maybe. Let's Probably. hope. Let's hope. Well, let's get into it. Let's talk about this Illinois team. And uh, Drew, where do you want to start? Offense? Yes. <laughs> start with special teams. Yeah. Uh, Illinois' offense. Illinois' offense? Oh, you want to talk about Nebraska? No, offense? yeah. Okay, Illinois' offense. Yeah, so Illinois' offense. I think that they are turnover prone. What do you think? Uh, yeah, that is absolutely correct. Um, yeah. It starts with their offensive line allowing a lot of pressure and their quarterback uh, throwing a lot of ints, they um, they have an identity crisis on offense, which might sound familiar to some folks. Um, they following this Purdue game, Bielema even said like they're going to have to have some hard conversations about you know how they operate going forward. He he feels like he might have to be a little more hands on in helping them operate. Um, it's it's not um, it's not pretty for for Illinois right now, and they you know. They've got a, a new quarterback this year in Luke Altmaier. They don't have Chase Brown to lean on. They don't have that imposing offensive line um, that they had last year. And and so, yeah, they're definitely they're going through some pretty serious growing pains. You like ran through like so many of my check marks <laughs> just, just in like a 30 second little blurb. It's like one, one of the things that intrigues me, you know, looking at like speaking of the 30,000 foot perspective you uh-huh. know the, the airplane just floating up there um in space <laughs> that was the, Those wings. Are the wings clapping we're still no, flying let's yeah. go <laughs> yeah but then the plane dives ten thousand feet all of a sudden because the wings aren't doing their job and creating lift um that's me showing off physics anyways um my 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 concern here is you had the first two years under brett bielema and you saw a steady step forward from year one to year two and now year three, where you think, okay, and I picked them as my dark horse for the Big Ten, uh, Big Ten West, excuse me, not the Big Ten. <laughs> yeah. Um, those three teams are in the East. But as far as the Big Four. Ten. Yeah. Oh, Maryland, too. Might as well throw them in there. I mean, they're looking good. This is good banter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's so pitter-pattery. <laughs> and then I ruined it. Um this, this third year to me is real interesting for Bielema. And I think the point that you said, you know, that he's talking about, they're getting away from their identity. They're not being who they want to be. I wonder how much um, of their identity was wrapped up. And we'll talk about it on the defensive side in Ryan Walters as their defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And then Chase Brown as this running back who we talked about preseason could run after contact and could get through. I think there was maybe some smoke and mirrors on how good the offensive line had evolved at Illinois um, because of how good Chase Brown was and, and, running after contact, he he covered up a lot of those sins and a lot of those mistakes. Yeah. And actually, yeah, now that you say that, I do I do remember um his like he would go, I think like two yards before contact on average. Um so yeah, he was like fight I mean he would fight for fight for yards. Um but yeah they I, they played such complimentary football. Um, you know, their defense being stingy, not giving up points, generating turnovers and, and handing the ball back and then and then allowing Sorry, I had to yeah. adjust my microphone. <laughs> that was not, yeah, that was that was a microphone noise. Um, 
yeah they yeah they don't they don't have um they don't have somebody to lean on right now or something to lean on and you can really see that and they know it um it's it's odd to me that they've made it five games into the season um and they're still vocal and 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 in their struggles about that um and and the way that it's being handled seems a little odd and also they're not they're not working with the new OC like I don't remember the right. Looney or Lunny um their OC was with them last year and so it's not they're not in unfamiliar territory as far as like the coaching staff goes on the offensive side of the ball yeah and and I don't think that Altmeyer has looked terrible as far as an individual performance but like you mentioned his offensive line has made things really difficult on him uh, forcing a lot of throws that don't need to be made but then you start to look out and I think they have some decent skill players specifically Isaiah Wash, uh, yeah, Wash- Williams uh, was it Williams yeah oh I wrote down the wrong name uh, I wrote down Washington you can probably imagine that my mind's I don't know thinking back to our own players anyways uh, Isaiah Williams at, at, at that that wide receiver spot um, has really been a kind of a bright spot as far as yardage oh, yeah. in yeah. their offense but um, as far as like a scoring threat they don't really have that guy that can be that threat and that feels kind of similar to what Nebraska's looking at right this is an offense that actually their offensive output uh, through the air is very similar to Nebraska uh, their running output though hasn't been what Illinois I think expected their running output to be and I think that that is also what's been uh, pretty harmful uh, to Altmaier as a quarterback is, you know, you can kind of shy away from really worrying about the run and go after him as a quarterback. Um, yeah. And so I think that they leave themselves pretty well exposed, save for a few big plays here from um, Williams or their tight ends also are fairly active in that offense, but uh, only for some chunk yardage and not really on a consistent basis. Yeah, I was like, yeah Williams, um, he leads the Big Ten in number of receptions and he leads in receiving yards, but he doesn't have any touchdowns, right. like you said. Um his average per reception is at 15 yards. Uh, last year, he was under. He was he was single digits in, in what he averaged, and so he's become more of a a big play threat for the offense. He continues to be um, the centerpiece. The way that Smoke Smoke Harris is for Louisiana Tech um, doesn't have the pot belly that that Matt Millen <laughs> loves. Matt Millen loves, but uh, um, but yeah. Uh, there's a there's another wide receiver in Pat Bryant that they have who's a bigger bodied guy, six three, two hundred. He's their red zone threat. He's got um three touchdowns three touchdowns in the red zone this year. And so that's their go to when they do get down there. Um but like you said, yeah, the, the offense the offensive line just allows too much pressure um to to get through. And Luke Altmeyer hasn't shown up the ability to handle that. He's a mobile quarterback and he can move and he can run. Yep. Um but he still he still will try to throw the ball in those situations, and that that generates turnovers. Um, his completion percentage just absolutely plummets, uh, you know, when he when he's thrown under pressure. And so, um, again, yeah, not having a, a running game to lean on. Um, they do have Reggie Love at, the, at running back, who I think they were planning on being the the replacement, just straight up for Chase Brown. Um, probably fully aware that it wasn't going to be quite up to you know filling Chase Brown's shoes, but. Um, but he's been hurt this year, and so he's missed some time. Um, they've got Josh McRae, who's a, who's a different body. He's a bigger guy. He's a bruiser. Um, doesn't quite run for the same average as, as what you uh, get out of Reggie Love. And so, um, and then they've got another running back, uh, Caden Fagan, who's a former four-star guy, who's another. He's huge, dude. He's 6'3", 250. 
Um, that is very big. He's a, he is a big boy. Um, but he's averaging seven yards a carry um, in his limited time. And so I think, I think what you might see um, potentially is, as Illinois continues to try to figure out who they are and what they want to do, um, you know, Bielema wants to get to this, you know, pounding, pounding the ball, running the ball, um, you know, use your quarterback's uh, running ability as um, an added wrinkle get some pressure off of him by establishing the run, then, then Caden Fagan's the guy that I think could be that answer. Um, but again, he's a freshman, and he's got limited time, and so um, so they haven't quite leaned on him just yet. But I think that's a name that maybe, even potentially here against Nebraska, we might have to look out for. Well, I do like the way that Nebraska's defense matches up against this offense. I think this is as close to an in-conference get-right game uh, mm-hmm. or get-back-to-your-identity game as as this defense is going to face up against um, because I do think it's going to offer a significant challenge, but it's one that they should be able to respond to. Uh, this is a game where I'd really, I mean, if Cam Lenhart's going to be healthy and come back to a game, like this would be a great, great start because I could see him putting in some serious work against this offensive line and trying to get to the quarterback. Um, create disruptions I mean against Michigan you were really hoping for maybe more turnovers or or more opportunities where there was some pressure on McCarthy to try and just create some havoc to throw things off schedule Um, this is a game where maybe the skill matches up a little bit better against the skill and you can create some more of those matchups and then let the secondary take advantage of those Um, and so I I do like the way that our defense matches up here just starting from the defensive line uh, and, and hoping that they can maybe make some hay getting into the backfield putting pressure on Altmaier and maybe forcing that identity to still um, continue to not show itself on the Illinois side of the ball. Yeah. Well, and I, th- I think that this is a, this is right. This offense is right in between sort of Louisiana tech and Michigan in terms of um, skill level and, and just where they're at. And, and uh, you know, Louisiana tech was really fucking bad at protecting their quarterback, but they did a great job against Nebraska. Yeah. Um, Michigan is really good at protecting their quarterback. They did a great job against Nebraska, right? And so that's two games in a row where Nebraska just didn't have any sacks. They, they were not generating pressure. Um, Illinois lines up as, as a, like you said, a, a good conference opponent that struggles on the offensive line that is a get-right chance. Um, we've seen Nebraska blow opportunities where you felt like they they should have, you know, handled the line of scrimmage um, on the, from their defensive perspective. Uh, and so we're going to find out, like, you know, are we going to see the same Nebraska that we've seen the past couple games? Or are we going to maybe revert back to what we got early in the year where, you know, they were getting four or five sacks a game? Yeah. Um, and so, and, and I think that will be, that'll be critical. Like, that's how you stop Illinois' offense. You get after their quarterback. Um, you force him to either make, you know, errant, errant throws. You, you force the, the fumble or you force the sack and you get the negative yardage and, and uh, get your offense the ball back. Yeah, this is this isn't an offense that that is going to be a, a fast striking kind of offense. I haven't really seen that from them this year. Um, I mean, once once they're down, they've kind of just stayed down in a sense. You know, um, they had big losses against uh, Purdue last week, and then the um, couple games before that, it was Penn State, uh, and then also their loss against Kansas. I mean, they just could not get themselves out of a hole, and they couldn't get out of their own way. And um, so, so I think that this offense is one where if you can get them down early, they kind of lose the confidence to really work their way back um and then when you look at their their defense their defense you know if you're if you're down by a a score or two you're never really out of the game uh because offenses have moved pretty pretty well even in like the florida atlantic game 
that game was a lot closer um, than it looked, and, and Florida Atlantic looked like they might be able to come back and, and steal one. Yeah, my, my first note um, on Illinois' defense and how we line up was that this feels like a game where Nebraska should be able to run their their offense. Yeah. The way that they want to, assuming that Harburg is the quarterback again um, and that they stick with him, it, this feels like a game where um, we should be able to establish the run um, pretty early on uh, and then we can throw it when it's right. Like, we, we talked a lot about we want to be Michigan, right? Like that's the end goal. Like this is a good, this is a good game where they can practice that at the level that they're at now. Um, establish the run, control the line of scrimmage, which could be tough. Like Illinois' defensive front does have a lot of skill there. Like they've got some very talented players, especially in the middle of the defensive line. Um, it's just that this is a defense that hasn't lived up to what they were um, without Ryan Walters running the show. Like that. That was a huge loss for them. They essentially like reverted straight back to what they were, um, yeah. Before he was was running things. What I what I saw from the Illinois defense was not necessarily um, incompetence or, or or not able to do those high those things at a high level. What I saw was inconsistency in doing that. You know their their defensive line and their and their front seven is able to get home to the quarterback when when like they send a blitz. You know where Nebraska as of late, it's like they send a couple extra guys. They're still not getting to the quarterback. It leaves them exposed on the back end. Illinois is still able to execute on that front, and they did a decent job like getting to the quarterback, getting home when they're trying to apply pressure. Like there's still some holdover from that last um, you know defensive staff under Walters, where you know it, it didn't all disappear, but it's just not consistent. And so, you know, you never kind of know which which defense you're lining up on which down. And I just saw a lot of the same stuff that was exposing them, which was the the dinking and dunking and getting plays out in space. And I and I just see a lot of uh, what looks like youth or inexperience as far as like the tackling goes and and the speed. They're just not as physical as they were last year. Like they're still running with guys and they're able to keep up, but they're just not playing with that same physicality that they had a year prior where they were kind of they had an edge. And this year, it feels like they're in the right spot. They just don't have that extra little bit that makes them, um, I don't know, as elite as they were in years prior or what I thought they could be this year. And I think that might be more indicative of coaching because they're still they're still talented. They're still playing intelligently. They're able to get home and execute and do the things they want. It's just not on a consistent basis. Yeah. Well, I wonder if that's like if that's just maybe a lack of confidence. Like you're not finishing plays. You're maybe worried about missing the tackle and what happens what's going on with the defense behind you um because i always I, I leading into the season i'd i'd pick this defense as taking a step back but not i didn't think they'd be giving up 30 points a game yeah um i thought that i thought that their their front seven would do a lot better um but they're yeah they're they're still giving up a lot on the ground sure um, in that regard and so i was a little surprised by that um but anyway, I think that's where it, I think that's where this game um, offensively. I think that's where Nebraska needs to start is is hitting the run and seeing what they can pick up on the ground, not putting too much on Harburg's shoulders, um, but still understanding that like Illinois' defense is gonna they're gonna give you some yardage in the passing game. Like they will yeah. give you stuff. Uh, it's just picking your spots and and taking what they'll give you. Um, and it, and it, it just lines up really well with the way that Nebraska runs their offense anyway. Like we're not gonna we're not gonna try to take these deep shots or get behind the defense. Um, but I think that 
that we're capable of creating some mismatches, finding Kemp underneath, finding Fedoni over the middle, um, maybe ripping off some of those chunk plays with with Washington, and uh, and you know and just being a little more methodical and moving the chains, um, and hopefully with the with the defense uh, containing Illinois, feeling a little more comfortable and confident in um, you know not having to score right away, or not score on a big play. Um, and, and just trusting the other side of the ball to help keep us in this game. Yeah. One of the, one of the notes just to go right off of, of what you said is, is I really want to see the quarterback run game come back into play. I felt like we shied away from that against Michigan and that might've been partially protection, partially, it just wasn't there, you yeah. know, and it, it's kind of silly to put your guy into harm's way when you know, you're not going to make hay with it. But I think that that's something that we can kind of hang our hat on is that, that quarterback run. Um, but then also having our wide receivers then in that blocking scheme playing physically, I think that that could kind of help us impose not just um, schematically, but that confidence, right? Like I am, I am going to be more physical than you this game. And that was something that would have been insurmountable almost against Michigan, just with the way that those guys looked on defense and the offensive line for, for Michigan as well. But I think this is a game where you can say, okay, come hell or high water, I, we are going to be the more physical team. Yeah. Like if we are that, then regardless of score, we win. Like we just need to be more physical because we have to prove to ourselves it's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nebraska had been that. And that's where we saw success against the the Northern Illinois. That's where we saw it against Louisiana Tech. And, in, in, uh, you know, even the Minnesota game coming out looking real physical in the run game. Same thing with Colorado looking physical in the run game and trying to impose who we are early on. Um, I think that we've got to get back to that formula and that belief. And so I think that this is a defense that, again, I don't want to shortchange Illinois at all because this still is a third year under Bielema. They've got great players. But I think this is an area where, like, Nebraska can rebuild that confidence and start off this this last seven-game stretch um, with some real positive momentum. Yeah, that the, the being the physical team was a big talking point um, in the offseason and in the early parts of the season. And it did feel like Nebraska was kind of kind of bought into that early on definitely steered away from it and I think I think you know when the results didn't change um you know you took a couple losses right out of the gate uh and and you know losing to Colorado the way that we did where we got worn out um losing to Minnesota in like that same old same old fashion uh that definitely I I could see that knocking the confidence of the team or or maybe like taking a little step back in terms of how bought in they were to the idea of being that physically imposing team and um, and that's just part of the process of, um, you know, what, what rules trying to do and trying to instill here. And yeah, this is a, this, is, this really is like this, this is a four game stretch of teams that are, um, all sort of in similar places in terms of, of where, where they are, and where Nebraska is. And so, um, definitely winnable, winnable games, but also like, Fuck, we could go zero and four, and it, yeah. you know, like yeah, yeah. it's either or. But but it, I think it does. It's like you said. I think it does start with yeah, imposing yourself, like trusting that you are like you're Nebraska. Like you are the you are the bigger team. You're the more talented, the more physical. Um, I don't even say talented. Like I, I don't. Know, maybe we throw that word out out of the equation. Like we're the more physical team. We're the more like, imposing. There, team. There's there's times where I see this team and I go, God damn, we got a lot of talent. And there's times where I see this team and I I think you know what, we've done a disservice to some of the guys who've come here because they haven't been developed the way they should have. Mm-hmm. You know, regardless of what recruiting rankings were and are, um, you know, like a, a, a Luke Reimer was what? He was a walk-on. You know what I mean? So it's like, 
who gives a shit? Once you're there, you're there. And Rule preaches that too. Like, yeah, yeah we want to get great talent here and we're going to need that. But this this isn't that time. This right. is the time that we, we show that we can develop so that when the talent starts to see this is a place I can come to get to where I want to go, we're ready. And so I, I, I'm with you. I don't want to call any of these these kids on either side of the ball in any of the teams we play untalented because they'd kick my ass and, and they <laughs> they'd do it while running a four-minute mile. You know, the, the whole point is, you know, that it's it it's just it can't be our focus right now. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to so I guess it. I'm with you. I'm with you is what I'm saying. I'm still gonna argue. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah. I didn't mean that they're that they're like one side is not talented. I mean, that I think it's time that we stop saying Nebraska is more talented than Illinois, more talented than Purdue, more talented than Northwestern because it's not. I don't think it's true. Um, I, they, I they, yeah. I mean, talent. I don't kind know of what bullshit I, measurable. Yeah, like talent we've we've out recruited everybody in the West since we joined, and we we haven't fucking won it. So. Like, our, I don't think we are more talented. Like, more talented teams tend to win out, right? So, um, anyway, that's that's a little bit of a tangent. But what we need to get back to, I think, is yeah, being the more physical team, being the more and and I, and I think confident. this is this is an opportunity to be that. Yeah, it's a short week for both teams. Yep. You know, it's not like one team has the the leg up there. The only difference being that Illinois is at home. Right. Um, it's a three point spread on Sunday. It opened up at three points in Illinois' favor, um, which is pretty much home field advantage. Yeah. And other than that, I mean, so it's basically, it's a clean slate. This is an opportunity for both teams. You know, Illinois is in a similar situation where it's like they could also use this game to help turn around, but they're in a tough stretch, you know. So um, coming off a, a very physical game against Penn State and then getting it handed to them by Purdue, and, you know, there's yeah. this, this is an area for them to... Yeah, they competed. I mean, they they were in it with Purdue, and then it just got it got out of hand. Yeah, um, but yeah, and that's to me that's as a as a fan base and as probably a player that's demoralizing. Where it's like, man, we felt like we were in control or that we we were in it, and then all of a sudden it just disappeared on us. Yeah, like because then you start to question, like, well, then what the fuck happened? <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. So, um, any notes on special teams? Uh, I mentioned I, I mentioned it earlier that you know they. They kick a fair amount of field goals, and part of that's because they're not scoring touchdowns, but the other part of it is they've got a guy experienced back there with a leg who's putting stuff through. Yeah, I didn't put anything too much from their... I mean, well, so the only thing I have from their perspective is Isaiah Williams is a punt returner. Um, he is dangerous. Oh, he, yeah. He averages almost 13 yards per punt return. I think he's got like four or five on the year. Um, don't Just don't kick it to him. You know, like don't give him an opportunity to... Uh, to sway momentum or, or steal some, some yards or even a score, uh, in that, that regard, um, for Nebraska, it feels like a year of Jekyll and Hyde overall with special teams. I feel like after a few games, we were like, all right, special teams, you know, we wiped our hands of that. We were, we felt like, uh, everything was taken care of. And then, um, these past couple games again, like you just, you see some mistakes being made and, um, you know, miss kicks and miss opportunities and, and just little stuff. It's like, oh shit, like we're okay. We do like, we really do still have a lot of, of work to do there. Um, I don't, nothing's been detrimental yet. Um, but as we get into these games where we're going to be evenly matched, we're in conference, um, you know, on the road or, or just in tight battles, like special teams is, you know, has the potential to win or lose a game for us. And, um, 
So you'd like to see a little bit more consistency overall from that that third of the the game. Yeah, and I and I think again this is this is just coming back to the message of right. Um, it's year one. This is a staff that knows how to develop and knows how to play special teams, and and they want to do that. So I I think that the the want and the drive and the focus is there. It's just a matter of you got to keep you know hammering that nail until it goes in. So yeah, um, I. I one, I love the personality, obviously, of Ed Foley, but I also believe in in what he's out there preaching, and um, I don't think that he would be as vocal as he is if he didn't believe that eventually that ship gets you know gets righted. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sweating it. It was uh, it it felt like holy shit, like they corrected that pretty damn quick, like you yeah. know, and they really yeah, yeah, yeah. corrected it, and then it's like oh no, like they, you can't forget, like they there's work to be done. It's okay. So we talked. We were golfing yesterday morning. And I was telling you that yesterday I wanted to work on my grip and my pace. Yes. Right. And it's it's a similar situation, right, where you get out of the gate game one or or game two and you're so focused on the things that you want to fix and the technique and everything like that. But then like you get into the season and your body starts to hurt and it's kind of like golf, right? You you play a few holes and you're feeling confident because things are going well. So you start to loosen up and you, you your focus kind of drifts from that. Mm-hmm. And then you get into that autopilot and sometimes you fall back into bad habits. And so it's just a matter of like having the attention span and the focus on, on doing all the little things right. And sometimes that doesn't feel as fun or as free. It's the same thing with a golf swing, right? Like you just want to get up, grip it, and rip it. Everyone wants to be John Daly, but like they don't want to put in the work of Tiger Woods. Yeah. So I don't know that that's that to me is kind of like the 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 overall feeling is like these coaches are going to keep hammering you just if I see you grip grip things wrong. Like if I see you do the the small thing wrong, I don't care if you've been a player here for 30 days or for four seasons. I'm going to call you out on it until it becomes second nature. And I think that's just where we're at in these in these areas. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Yeah. It's year one. There's going to be inconsistencies and We'll get there. I like. I, yeah. I like you said. I trust these coaches. Like they'll they'll keep it. They'll keep at it. And how do you say shit so succinctly? <sighs> like how do you how do you not go off on? <laughs> I just wait for you to say something and then I just repeat it differently. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, predictions. Okay, I'm gonna go first because I didn't really try this this week. I'm I wrote lie. minus three pages. Good. Okay. <laughs> Mine is, mine has a, so my effort on this week's prediction correlates directly to the level of excitement I felt throughout the Michigan game. Um, I tried to make a, I tried to make a funny about like Sufjan Stevens because he's, you know, he's actually from Michigan, but um, anyway. I'm sure all of the I'm listeners sure. out there <laughs> I'm sure are big Sufjan Stevens One buddy was fans. like, really? Let's do it. Okay. Uh, Nebraska completes its two-game Sufjan Stevens tour by following up Michigan with Illinois. I'm holding for that one person. While Safian had two critical successes, Nebraska will have to settle for just one. A Friday night road game against Illinois would usually make me feel a little more nervous, but this feels like a recipe for a bounce-back game. Nebraska will have one less day to stew over the Michigan loss. They'll come out hungry and ready to hit someone. That someone is named Luke Altmeyer hiding behind a papier-mâché line. Don't expect Nebraska's offense to light the world on fire despite the Illinois' defensive struggles but they should be able to do just enough to leave Champaign with a W, Nebraska 24, Illinois 16. I've got Illinois kicking three field goals. There you go. And scoring a touchdown. You said 24-16? 24-16. We're not too far off. Okay. Cool. All right. You ready? Yeah. Three pages. Let's do it. I predict Friday night that I will order 15 wings. I tend to go with the most spicy wing at a given wing place, minus one. 
I love spicy and enjoy the head-tingling release of endorphins, but I still want some flavor. When you go with the spiciest wing, restaurants tend to skip flavor and embrace nothing but pain. I'm also going to get plenty of blue cheese for dipping. <laughs> I know we're in ranch country, but the funk and bite of the blue cheese really pairs with the vinegary wing sauce. Friday night also means I'll shake up a pair of margs for my wife and I. I like to use a reposado tequila and brandy slash cognac forward dry curacao in my margarita. It creates some depth against the lime juice. <laughs> it will be Friday night in a short week for the Huskers. The work week for me will be done, and all that remains is an appreciation for the weekend. If Michigan taught me anything, it's that we have a long way to go and a clear blueprint in the CFP era to get there. So the only stress this season should be my game day menu. All I can do is sit back, relax, and enjoy Nebraska football on a fall Friday night, Nebraska 27, Illinois 19. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Focused on food and drink and a little football on the side. You know what? We get, we get as you mentioned at the top of the episode, we get 12 a week or 12, excuse me, 12 a year. 12 a week would be incredible. That's too much. Not sustainable, but you know. Yeah. Th- them's are baseball numbers. That's too much. <laughs> can you imagine the kind of injury if our team had to play 12 games a week? You would have to, you'd literally you'd rotate quarterbacks. You'd have five quarterbacks. Yeah. Well, Michigan the, the did the, it. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? Uh, I'm, I'm just. I I think I think. We the the conversation piece, you know. There's there's folks out there, and I am not one of them, fortunately. But there are some folks out there who are already saying that Matt Rule is not the guy, and it's five games in, and I can't I can't I can't handle that. Like I can't. No, that's the dumbest shit ever. Right. Like you can't. No. But no. And, and then, the, then there's the narrative of it takes this guy three years. And we're in year one, and like we we have a game like Michigan where we look at it and we go like this is where we want to be, this is who we want to be, and then so you kind of get worked up of like oh but miracles can happen, but not not when you're doing it this way, you know what I mean? Like this this isn't the miracles can happen sort of situation because what he's trying to teach is we're not going to shy away from who we are for a week because that does us a disservice. And so it's it's kind of like, well, win or lose, I have trust in it, in this process. And I have trust in where we are because of where it's led to in past stops. And also because I want us to get to the point of these other teams that have taken so long to build up to where they are. Uh, and so like these games in this season, like as soon as I kind of switched into that, that mindset, like so much of the stress dissipated. That like the hard, the really the hardest decision is like, what do I want to have to eat while I watch these games? You know what you sound like? Huh? You sound like um, an airplane passenger <laughs> who is going through turbulence, and the the flight assistant comes over and says, "Sweetie, don't worry, it's okay. The captain's got this. They've done this a million times before. They're gonna fly us through. These wings could clap themselves. <laughs> would you like? Would you like? You want some wings? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How spicy would you like them? A little blue cheese on the side, you know. Uh, have a have a drink, and uh, just just enjoy the ride. I mean, you know, that's, get to your that's, destination. That's where I'm at, and this yeah. is kind of the perfect perfect game going into this. Of it's like, okay, this is a game that doing what we want to do in year one gives us a chance, and that's all we can ask for, right? Show up on Friday night, whether you're in person or on TV. Uh, watch the game, cheer on your team, and and win or lose. Look for the moments. Like, like I had to look for against Michigan where like you could say, okay, 
I see what they're trying to do and they're working towards it and they're not running away from it, right? And, and, and that to me is exciting, um, but it also just dissipates the stress. All right. That being said, I've been on a plane. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was flying over the Rockies through a thunderstorm and I thought 100% this fucker's going down. <laughs> I was like, I don't give a shit how well these wings can clap. <laughs> this, and and I, I was going from Las Vegas on a direct flight from Vegas to Omaha. And I thought for sure, I was, I was like, I need to text my will. Like I, this is not, this is not good. Um, oh. So that being said, there's, there's times where flying does scare me. Yeah. Um, times where Nebraska football is scary too, but, but sometimes, you know what I wish? I wish the captain would be like, you want to come see the cockpit? <laughs> right. like, no, no, sir. Matt rule. If you're listening and you want to invite us, Oh yeah, can we, Matt Rule, we'd like to come to your office and say hi. Or fly the plane. Let us fly the plane one week. Let us one week. We, you know what we didn't we didn't talk about? Mm. Um Harburg pitched the ball. He pitched it. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I did make note of that. And then Ben Scott ended up with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Well, right. Drew, I think uh, it's time to land this plane. What do you think? I think let's do it. I think we found a good analogy that for was, this episode. Yeah, Look maybe for us. the season. Stuff is just, it, we're so natural. That does it for this week. We want to think unnatural would be flying a plane <laughs> an affront to the natural laws of nature or floating a plane as you call floating it. Floating a plane, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever been on a blimp? I feel like you feel better on a blimp. All right, let's let's Hello. land this blimp. All right. <laughs> uh, that does it for this week. We want to thank everyone who tuned into this week's episode. If you have anyone who you think would enjoy a listen, we would truly appreciate your recommendation. Don't forget to follow us on social media at wannabe walk-ons and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Remember to do your part, drink local beer and cider wherever you are. You can find more information on Glacial Till by visiting glacialtillvineyard.com. If you have any breweries or craft ciders that you want us to sample on the show, visit wannabewalkons.com to submit your recommendation. Thanks again for listening. Join us next week as we recap the Illinois game, sample another craft beverage, and look ahead to the bye week. Thanks for listening, and as always, drink Big Red. Drink Big Red. Drink Big Red.